It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Joining us now is somebody that needs no introduction because I'm, frankly, Carmen, I'm spent. I don't have anything else (laughs) that I can introduce you with other than, you know, really the, as of right now, the lone source of what's been going on at OTA. So, of course, joining us is Carmen Vitale of Buccaneers.com. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for all of that. Um, I think people are probably getting tired of me at this point, right? You can't go up with an action for me, so... <laughs> probably get tired of me. Uh, I'm gonna yeah. have to sit down well, and start brainstorming. Doing yeah. good, except for the fact that I couldn't come up with a clever intro for you. Well, was it was it whose line is it anyway? Where Drew Carey he he sounded off and he would introduce each guy like at something that was absolutely outrageous and like out there. I'd be up for that. Oh he yeah, could just say something about me, and you know, we'll just pretend it's true. It'll work. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll start brainstorming some of those. We'll be ready for the next time. <laughs> Great. But, I can't wait. But diving in, because you, you've really, outside of the first day of OTAs, you're the only one that's kind of seen what's going on, so we're real excited to have you on. Get your insight as, <laughs> as to some things that are happening there at the, uh, the Advent Health Training Center. And, and since we last spoke, there's obviously a lot that's, that's gone on. So let's go ahead and get an update, just kind of an, an overall vibe of the team now that they're all in the building. Well almost all in the building and uh, you know, coaches and players and, and rookies have all gotten the opportunity to start, you know, you know, planning for, for the season and preparing. Yeah. Everyone is really, really excited. And I think that there's just this kind of overwhelming sense of relief to get back to something that resembles football. There's still no contact in this phase. Um, and so, you know, the trench guys are still really itching to like hit somebody. <laughs> Um, and linebackers, especially like in this defense, um, we're very involved in the blitz and and I'm not just linebackers. I mean, everybody's involved in the blitz, um, in this scheme, you're really going to never know where pressure is coming from, um, which is really cool to see, but you know, it's, it can't be fully on display at this point, um, during the off season because there is no contact. Um, but just overall, everybody seems really, really excited. They're just, they're, they've just formed this wonderful, like, team already um even with the rookies the rookies i can't tell you how much they've already fit right in to what they're trying to do and i'm like i'm really impressed with how quickly they've been able to pick things up because i mean they just got in here and they've had some classroom time but you know the vets and the guys that have been here they've had weeks now of class at least classroom time and then you know some practice time during phase two uh limited um but you know, it looks like they just look like one cohesive team. Um, 
on both fronts, really. I mean, I watched both fields because we have two practices going on at the same time, which is real fun. It's like I'll hear something on one end, on one field, and I'll whip my head around. And then just as I do that, something else happens on the other field. And I'm like, ah, wait, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> just happened. It's like, like you're getting over, overly stimulated. Um, but they all look, they, they just, you can tell how excited they are to be back in the building. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. That's awesome. And obviously not to not to twist it into a, a darker mood, but um, something we have to ask about. Obviously, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul not participating because of the neck injury that he suffered in that vehicle accident, unfortunately. Um, have you had a chance to, to meet up with him, to talk to him at all? Or do you have any gauge on kind of where he is mentally right now? No, I haven't talked to him. And he um, he's still like, so he lives um, outside of Miami, really in Deerfield beach so he's been there and he's seen specialists you know to figure out what he's going to do about his injury um basically the only contact that i've heard um that you know like like all the coaches have talked to him all his coaches have talked to him like players are talking with him um and from what i've heard you know they are just saying you know all they're saying to him is hey get better bro we got you you know it's just it's a scary thing that happens you know neck injuries are so fickle they're so scary they're so i mean they have the potential to be catastrophic um so it sounds like you know he's in good spirits though about everything and um i can you know just knowing him as a player especially if he can play and if the doctors will clear him, he will play. He has, this man has like just everything he fought through last year, as far as injuries went, um, was, it was just insane. He, this man has no regard for his own body, um, <laughs> which is just, it's like, you know, you you want that toughness and that grit in a football player, but at the same time, you're like, all right, listen, this is nothing to play around with, you know, make sure you get the right help and you get the right doctors and everything and he is doing absolutely everything from what i've heard so right hopefully we'll get him back at some point maybe during the season if it works out there's, yeah, there's mean, no set timetable or anything like that so yeah i think everybody wants to see him back on the field as soon as possible if possible definitely but yeah i mean like you said just that you know any neck injury is, is a scary situation so good to, good to hear that he's at least getting you know a good thorough workup and getting a solid uh, plan in place yeah yeah, yeah. So it, it seems like in football, especially, there's kind of a next man up mentality. So, I mean, what are you seeing so far as far as players that could be able or you know have the ability to kind of fill in for for JPP for however long he may be out? 
I mean, I think that there's a lot of options here, um, which is the beautiful thing about this defense is that there is it's so custom kind of tailored to the personnel that if something like that happens, then there's concessions that can be made in order to account for it. Um, so you're not going to basically, basically what that means is you're not going to trade him out one for one. You're not going to plug somebody in. That's going to be exactly what JPP was going to be, um, off the edge. Now, the closest thing you probably have to it right now is probably Noah Spence, who has looked good so far, but again, there's no contact right now. So it's really hard to gauge. Um, but as far as, you know, how he's moving, what his, like his, you know, he looks, great like he's slimmed not slimmed down but he's because he put on a bunch of weight to kind of get to that defensive end that four three defensive end kind of build um I think he's back down where he's comfortable um and he looks more comfortable just in as far as the kind of things that they're having him do um you know so I think that and he is kind of that more pure pass rusher that JPP is um as far as talent goes so if he you know can grasp this defense he'll probably be the the closest thing that you can get but even then you know that role kind of changes a little bit because it's him in there versus jpp um someone who's really you know not surprised me because i know that he he but he was used as a a rotational player was um shaq barrett in denver he was used rotationally i mean when you have someone like von miller that you're you know behind you're obviously not going to get the playing time that (laughs) Um, you know, you would otherwise, but he has, he seems to really grasp like the con the defensive concepts here. And again, um, he's not a one for one with JPP, but I think that there's some things that can be shifted and moved around to where if he plays that outside spot, he can be very effective because he seems he's very like he, his reads are awesome. They're really on point. Um, and then even, was it today or yesterday? One of the days, um, you know, he, he came in and he batted down a pass and he got up, you know, really, he, he's, he's going up on, you know, trying to deflect passes at the line. He can read the quarterback's eyes. He can do all that kind of stuff. Um, so that has been someone that I was like, well, that could probably work too. <laughs> um, other than that, you know, you have to see what you have in Anthony Nelson, who's a rookie. Um, he was the one that had the play of the day today, though. He, he, when you, whenever you have a six, seven guy that jumps any sort of height, it's impressive, but he got all up in the quarterback's face and he just batted a, a ball down today. And I was like, that's a really scary sight. I have to imagine as even as an NFL quarterback to see a six, seven dude, <laughs> just get up <laughs> and, and just take your, and, and just, it just crush all your hopes and dreams right there. Um, and he did that. So. We'll see. We'll see what you have there. Um, but again, it's the, the strength of this defense is how flexible and fluid and versatile it is. Um, so you're not going to get JPP, but you, you may not need to have JPP to be effective. Yeah, that's what I mean. Effective coaching, effective game planning can can cover up a lot of a lot of uh, quote unquote holes on our, on a roster. Now, in in each of your OTA recaps, you kind of highlighted some leaders that you've noticed emerge. And so far, it's been like a different person each day. You've talked about, obviously, Devin White. You've talked about Mentor stepping up. And even the the big surprise to me was Bo Allen, talking about him Mm -hmm. stepping up as kind of a leader. Um, What do you feel is kind of the main reason that all these different guys are are picking their spots to shine and and show 
you know, their their leadership abilities and, and really assert themselves in those roles? You know, I think that it just comes from, I mean, especially with Bo. Bo has seen, you know, being on that Eagles team, winning the Super Bowl, you know, coming in here last year. I remember him saying, you know, it's like, listen, we know what it takes to do this. And it's, it, it's the littlest thing and it's the littlest, you know, but it's every day you need to come, you know, the same way. And it's the consistency of all of this. And I think that you kind of garner, there's like a respect factor there. But I also think that it's more just leading by example. And I think that guys pick up on that. Um, and Bo, I don't think gets credit for how smart he is. Um, he's extremely intelligent. Like his football IQ is, is, is off the charts. It's really, he's really, really smart when it comes to picking this up and in this scheme and with this front, you know, I, th- I feel like leaders emerge based on kind of how how well they can move other guys around and how well they can grasp what's going on around them and how it impacts their job. Because um, there's definitely guys that, and this is this is very common commonplace among players and coaches. It's like you know you worry about your unit, what your unit's doing, and you know your job and you do your job, and that's great. Um, but there are definitely guys that can understand the bigger picture. Um, and it's, I feel like it's easier to do, especially when it comes to the defense, you know, from the back levels, cause you can see everything in front of you. Um, but so I think that it's just kind of a thing where Bo has just really grasped what they're trying to do with the defensive line. And he has this pedigree of, listen, I, I have a Super Bowl, and he's just, he's just a good guy to be around. Everyone loves him. He's, he's got a great personality and he just, you know, people gravitate toward him. Um, so he, like, just from what I've seen again in these practices, it's just, he's working with guys that, you know, they're, they're talking back and forth, but at the same time, he's going to the coaches and saying, he's asking questions. He's making sure what he's doing is correct. Um, and then, you know, it, it, it just, you just kind of see this happen in each position group while they're doing like their positional drills. You can kind of pick up on a guy that's kind of directing traffic a little bit or is, or is doing, you know, kind of that kind of stuff. So um, what's really been impressive though, is to see Devin kind of come through being the leader that everybody has touted him to be. I mean, I, I don't think the Bucks would have drafted him at fifth overall if they didn't think that he was exactly the leader they needed him to be. And sure enough, he has been, you know, they get the defensive call and he's the one that's in like all the guys are lined up in, in, in a little huddle and Devin's the one facing the rest of the guys telling them the call and, you know, then they break on whatever. And then the, the offense comes out. It's just incredible though to witness this guy who's been here a couple of weeks and he's directing traffic already. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is an awesome sign uh, of what hopefully will, will turn into future success. And just another reason why we've all been very excited about Devin White since, you know, before the draft and earlier this year, uh, even. Now, another player that you focused on uh, since the draft is uh, Scotty Miller. And oh, Scott, my guy. <laughs> and, and Scott Smith, <laughs> your coworker, um, who you know, yeah. know very well. Um, also recently, well, he referenced him today as we're recording in his uh, SS mailbag as a player that he's really looking forward to seeing more out of. Again, there's not, you know, no contact right now, no pads, no hitting, stuff like that. But is is Scotty Miller kind of an Adam Humphreys 2.0 or is saying that type of thing, maybe oversimplifying what Miller brings, uh, might be able to bring to the team? 
I think it's definitely oversimplifying it. Not that Adam's game by any means was simple. Um, he was great at what he did in the slot. Um, but the thing is, as it, at least of right now, and I know that Hump put weight on when he got in the league and all that kind of stuff, but as of right now, you, I mean, you get beat up in the slot when, when you're a receiver because you're asked to block. Yeah. Um, and so Scotty, you know, he hasn't had to do any of that, really. Um, so to have him do it at the NFL level, I feel like is going to take a little bit of time. Not to say that he won't be used inside because I've seen these guys line up all over the place. Um, but I think that people are overlooking his ability to stretch the field from the outside because nobody can touch this guy. He is so quick. And even that is oversimplifying his game because then today, especially I'm watching him and he is straight stealing passes from DBs. Like there are, there are balls that I'm like, how did you catch that? Because I'm thought for sure I'm looking for the ball to be bouncing somewhere. The DB got his hands on it, you know, whoever it was. And all of a sudden I, I look beyond the DB and Scotty's got the ball in his hands. And I'm like, how did you catch that? And it's, it's incredible. And again, there's no contact right now. So it's hard to say how he'll do against, you know, con- contested catches, but mm-hmm. something I was talking to, um, Antoine Randall L, who's an offensive assistant for us. Yes. And you might know that name. I don't know. <laughs> I'm so excited um, by him but, being on the staff, Carmen. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm talking to, I was talking to Al about um, Scotty and I, you know, just with the same kind of questions that everybody has, like, is he going to be used like in the slot? Is there, you know, he's like, listen, all it is is playing a game of tag with him from the line of scrimmage. And if he can play that game of tag, he's going to win because nobody's going to be able to catch that kid. And he's so far he's been right. But again, just like the sure handedness of Scotty has really impressed me so far in these first few days. Nice. Mm -hmm. Keeping it along the lines of the rookies. You know, you, you said that a lot of these guys have been getting these first team reps, obviously Devin's going to be included in that, but but you're and Jamel Dean, uh, Sean Murphy bunting or, if you're David, you like hunting. Uh, Mike Edwards, you know, hate and, and anger and vitriol spewed draft we've taken <laughs> on day two. What you're seeing so far, and again, girl pads, there's no contact, all that. Are you starting to see the talent level on that defensive side of the ball emerging as, as a group that can really be a special draft class? I mean, yes is the short answer to that just because again of how easily and how quickly they fit in i can't tell you how how like especially with dbs i mean you're having to read a lot and be you're asked to remember a lot and coverages that are constantly changing that are constantly being disguised you know you may be lining up the same place every single time but you're doing you know three three times in a row let's say you're doing but you may be doing something different all those times and for a rookie to come in at this level you know and just kind of run with the big dogs right away is just incredible and then to see multiple rookies do this is even more incredible um and just i i just can't say enough about how quickly they've picked this up and picked up this scheme and just been able to you know fit in and it's like you know just a few weeks ago these guys were quote unquote amateurs and now it's like you're running with mike edwards in practice you're running with chris godwin you're you know like you're just 
did I say Mike Edwards or Mike Evans? Um, <laughs> Mike Edwards had one of the best plays in practice the other day, you know, where he's reading the quarterback's eyes. He's coming down and he's making a huge play. And it's just, I just, I, the mature, the football maturity of these guys to come in and do what they've done. I, I don't remember, you know, really ever seeing that before. Um, and that's not a knock to last year's rookies or the, the rookies before. Um, but uh, they just and when I when I said first when I say first field or they've been practicing on the first field, it doesn't necessarily mean first team. Um, oh, okay. There's the first there's the first field and then there's the second field. Um, the first field is made up of you know most of the like the starters and stuff like that, but it's also guys that they want to kind of either get a look at, get more of a look at, get more reps, like, you know, just certain things against, you know, qu- more quality reps, I suppose, against tougher competition, see what they can do. Um, Cause at this point, trying to figure out a depth chart is just not going to happen. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's incredible to see them act like vets right off, right out of the gate. And it's, it's really cool to watch. I really love all of them. Yeah, very, very encouraging, definitely, to to know that those guys. And I think that kind of goes back to the focus on leadership skills and values that they really, it seems like they really harped on when, when going through the pre-draft process. Because uh, obviously yeah. your, your team leaders in college are typically your guys who are more prepared, better prepared, and have pretty decent football IQs, I believe. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Sticking with the rookies and obviously moving towards training camp because the better the rookies are taking to the scheme, the better they're executing, the hotter the camp battles are going to get. Again, referring back to Scott's mailbag today, he mentioned himself. He was asked a question by, by uh, I think it'd be an email, about the biggest battle. Um, mm-hmm. Scott mentioned the outside linebacker group. Do you think it's the same group, or is there another group maybe you're looking forward to seeing the camp kind of figure out who how the depth chart is really going to fall? Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, I think I'd probably go outside linebackers. I honestly, I don't know what they're – like. I, it's a great problem to have. But I don't know what they're going to do with the receivers again. I don't know who that fourth receiver is going to be. 
Um, you have Justin Watson from last year who is, you know, taking steps forward and, you know, he's such a great kid. You want to see him succeed. Bobo Wilson has looked great um, this off season so far in, in just these few first few days of, um, of OTAs. And so I'm like, all right. So now you've, and then you've got Scotty Miller, you've got the Illinois state kid, um, Spencer Schnell, um, you, like you, you just all of a sudden still have this crop of receivers that you're like, can we keep all of them, please? Because <laughs> they all do <laughs> something very well, and it's all different. Um, so that's probably if you're if Scott's going to go outside linebackers, which I think is absolutely true, and will be be very interesting. I'll go to the other side of the ball though and say that I'm just looking forward to another receiver battle this year. And then you've got Prashad Perryman, who's just killing it. You know, it's why he shouldn't. For as big as he is, he shouldn't run as fast as he does. It's just insane. So, now, uh, another position where people were looking for, I guess, a little bit more competition. Uh, but we've heard Bruce Arians just absolutely gush endlessly over Peyton Barber, and, and you noted in your recap that he's looking more and more like that three-down back that that BA said that he believed he could be. Um, you know, what, what are some of the differences that you've noticed so far? And I know it's tough. There's no pads. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know you're going <laughs> to yell at me for that. Um, what are some <laughs> of the differences that you've noticed, uh, in, in Peyton between last year, kind of getting ready at this point versus how he's being utilized and what he's doing this year? Um, there's just a lot of emphasis on, um, path catching for Peyton right now, um, that I've noticed. And, you know, because if you are going to be that three down back, you're going to need to catch. Um, so it's, you know, it's not something that he was ever bad at. You know, he never had an issue with, I should say. Um, but I've just noticed an increase in kind of passing reps and making sure that, you know, he's where he's supposed to be a little, you know, some routes here and there. Um, and just finishing the play in general. Um, and that's something that actually goes across the board, not just for the running backs, but like for the receivers, um, even the DBs on that side of the ball. Everybody finishes the play. Because, I mean, they'll blow the whistle, again, because there's no contact. They'll blow the whistle, blow a play dead, because, like, all right, well, that would have been a sack or, you know, whatever. But the running backs, and running backs who can't get tackled, both Peyton and Rojo, um, will continue running. They'll run all the way down the field to the end zone. And, I mean, they could be on the opposing 35-yard line, and they're as, as soon as they break through, the play's been blown dead. They're still running, and they're making sure that they're still trying to get around guys and, and you know, finishing the play that way. And it's just an effort thing where, um, you know, it's just you can tell they're really taking it seriously, and they're really trying to learn this scheme, and they're really trying to get better. Everyone's just trying to get better. Um, and I think that that comes from all of this competition that this coaching staff is breeding. Um, it's it's not just words. It's not just coach speak when they say they want to breed competition. I mean, again, going back to they don't treat anybody differently, you know, depending on if you're a vet, if you're a rookie, whatever. It's like the best player that's out there will play. And guys know that now. And it's really cool to see. And it just it, it ups the effort level and it ups the work and it just, it's, yeah, that's probably the biggest difference. And I, that's not, you know, Peyton specific necessarily, but um, it's, it's, it's cool to see. Yeah. And Carmen, you bring up Rojo and I'm glad you did because I wanted to ask you about him. Obviously you were there last year, 
uh, when he was a rookie, kind of going through the same type of installs and, and, and during this phase of the, of the offseason program. Are you, you know, it's hard to see a whole lot right now, like we've already kind of referenced time and time again, but are you seeing anything that will kind of give credence to some of the excitement that, you know, Jason has mentioned and even Coach Aaron's, I think, has talked about with, with Rojo? And a lot of people are expecting that he's just going to fit into what this offense is going to try to use him for better. Is there anything that can give you like a, a bigger dose of confidence that that's going to happen this year, or is it still too early to really tell? I mean, I think it it, it would be too early to tell, but I am encouraged when it comes to Rojo. Um, you know, Coach Arians mentioned a while ago that most, I forgot the exact number, but most of the opportunities and the carries that Rojo got last year, which weren't very many, um, he got tackled at or behind the line of scrimmage for a vast majority of them. So you're never really able to see what Rojo can do because he's never able to get going. Seeing him in an environment where he can't, I mean, granted, he can't be tackled, um, mm. but in an environment where he isn't brought down, you know, behind the line of scrimmage by any, because of the no tackling, this guy's fast. Like, yeah. I don't remember noticing that speed from him last year as I do this year watching him in practice. And I've had people like comment this to me too. Like he looks really fast Um, and he is really fast. He just hasn't had those opportunities to do that. So um, I mean, the running backs in general are really looking are really working on like their pass catching and all that kind of stuff, which is something that Rojo, you know, was never really asked to do even in college. Um, So he's been working on that and, you know, he's just really energized and has been really energetic um, but he just looks really fast. So I'm hoping that, you know, if you can, if we can get him some hold, he'll be able to run through them for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, Carmen, last one for me. And this, Dave doesn't know what's coming. Oh, geez. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, Twitter can be a wonderful place and <laughs> it can also be a hive of scum and villainy. Um, and something that the fandom has been extremely divided on that I have to get your take on before we wrap things up right. is the final season of Game of Thrones. Oh, God. I was, I was scared there for a second. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt like I was about to need to make sure that you understood I did not know about this question ahead of time. So I'm glad I went You're going to get me in trouble. <laughs> no, no, not at all. So, I mean, how have how have you felt about the season? And we're, we got one episode left. Who's who's going to sit on the throne at the very end of all this? Good lord, I don't know. So, I'm not I'm not an overly critical person when it comes to movies or TV or anything like that. Really, I'm just kind of one of those people that's like, was I entertained by it? Yeah. Did it did it keep my attention? Yeah. Was it not overly stupid? No. So, like, all right, cool. I liked it. So I'm not really into dissecting every little thing about, you know, this season. I do like if I can go back and whatever, and I'm not signing that petition to redo it. That's dumb. Um, But like, (laughs) do I do like, I don't really understand the thought process behind making this such a shortened season when there were all these loose ends to tie up and you had to, I feel like you had to rush a lot of storylines in Mm. order to do so. Um, I'm trying to think of like the biggest thing though, that like made me kind of like sit up and be like, come on, man. I don't, I mean, I'm not thrilled with the way Cersei died or like, you know, you, you assume she, she and Jamie died like in a pile of rubble where no one was around to see. I'm like, come on. 
like that, that, that was, I'm like, that, that was really it. Um, I do, however, think that the showdown between the mountain and the hound was like epic. I loved that. I'm like, all right, let this was like with the backdrop, with the fire and the dragon breathing, all this other stuff. And like, they're crumbling down the stairs and I, that was, that was very well done um, in the last episode. But my big thing leading up to the right now, though, was, like, there was, like, the underestimation of Cersei was just, like, like, even, like, Tyrion, when he was trying to reason with her a couple episodes ago before she cut Missandei's head off, like, he was, like, I know you're not a monster. And it's, like, yes, she is. She's 100% a monster. Every single time she does something, she's 100% a monster. Like, why do you guys keep giving her this benefit of the doubt? Because you keep underestimating her, and then she goes and does stupid stuff, like cutting Masande's head off. Yeah. The suspension of disbelief, though, has definitely had to have been upped for this last season. I'll say that much. But, yeah, I thought I, mean, uh, I thought that battle was was a good one too. I know some people have been critical of it of the the fight scene between the brothers there. I liked it. I thought that was that at least was well done. I thought. I thought so too. Um, I thought the whole Euron thing, like washing up to that exact location from short. I'm like, how did you survive that with the dragon? Like yeah. <laughs> all that other stuff, and then the whole like they were able to take down like the one dragon. I forgot the name. Like, I'm not bad with uh, the dragon's name. Rhaegal. Regal, yeah. So they were able to like take down Regal, but then like Dracarys was just able to like lay siege on everybody by himself. I'm like, okay, listen. <laughs> See, uh, like those... in, in the Battle of Winterfell, the dragons like weren't using their fire enough for me. That was yeah. like the biggest thing. I was like, you're not blowing fi- like just blow fire everywhere. <laughs> and then like Dracarys did it to King's Landing. I'm like, why did you do that against the White Walkers? Like those were some things that I had a couple of issues with. Like at first I had an issue with, with Cersei and Jamie. And then I heard somebody say this and it really, it kind of changed my perspective on it was she's always had an out. She's always had this master plan that no matter what she can get out of anything. So for the first time she had no escape plan and it's what finally caught up to her and i was like okay yeah. that's a cool way of thinking and, she, of like, it. Got, like, and then she had no out right they literally had no out they had um, no exit they couldn't get yeah. out uh, it, okay you're right exactly right. It, it was very shakespearean um yeah, you're right and then one of the one of the other things that i had an issue with was the same you know was was drogon being able to just waste everybody and then somebody pointed out from I, i've never read it i'm not going to claim to know everything about it but the book the art of war was the way that that they had been positioned and the way Drogon came down was with the sun behind him. So you couldn't get a beat on him until it was too late. And I'm like, okay, that makes more sense now. You know, they they waste the one dragon, but with Drogon, you couldn't see him. But, but yeah, like I mean, the there's, dragon, I, I agree. Like nighttime. Like, you can't, I don't know. Well, like, was it? with the White Walkers, they're like, I'm, I'm going back to like the Battle of Lambo. Oh, yeah, yeah. I feel like, I'm like, First of all, like, you've got the ice dragon and, like, the dragon suspended and, like, fighting against each other was kind of cool. But, like, also, though, when Sir, when uh, Danny was on the ground with Jorah before, like, and they were, like, getting swarmed by White Walkers. Granted, I know the dragon, the one dragon had got, like, had to, like, fly off because he had a bunch of them on him and he had to, like, get him off. But then, like, they, like, weren't around Danny and Jora at all, like, during that time when they were getting swarmed. And then all of a sudden, Jora dies, and then everybody dies. And then the dragons come, like, creeping up, 
and like they're like comforting Danny. I'm like, where were you two? Why, why were you like breathing fire on on like the White Walkers that were closing in on your mom? Like yeah. you guys were just like MIA for a sec, and I'm like, I and then but then you come up when Jorah dies to like comfort her. I'm like, you you two were what? But yeah, and I yeah. and the whole like when when Rhaegal or whatever gets like by the Iron Fleet. I'm like, if you're that high up in the air, can't you see ahead of you that the Iron Fleet is right there? Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely been some missteps. They could have dragged this out for the full 10 episodes, but I think Benioff and Weiss were just, they were done. They were ready to move on. Um, I had read somewhere that the relationship with them and George R.R. Martin had gotten real nasty and to the yeah. point that uh, Martin had said, look, these are the major points that you have to hit on. You guys do it. And they said, well, we're, we're sick of it. We just signed on with Lucasfilm to make $8 billion making Star Wars movies. We're, we're done. Right. Let's, just, let's just get it over with. So overall, I've really enjoyed this season far more than a, than a lot of people. But there are definitely yeah. some, some missteps along the way. So real quick before we wrap it up, who, who wins in the end, Carmen? Um, that's a great question. I, I don't – well, here's the thing. I don't know the lineage well enough because I don't, it's not going to be Danny. Like yeah. it just can't be at this point. Like the, her, the way her character arc has gone, like she's clearly, you know, showing signs of being her father. Um, but like, they also set up John to be like the hero, but I feel like they won't let that happen. So like, I don't know who would be next, but like if, if neither of them could take the throne, who is next? Think um, of Sansa. Sansa, yeah. Like that, yeah. And so I'm like, I actually like feel like that might act, that might happen. But she's been so like vanilla this season. Yeah. I feel like there hasn't been like aside from her like interactions with Danny, like you know where she's holding her own and she's being a badass and that's great. Um, you know, Arya doesn't want to take it. She's like, no, I'm a fighter. I don't want to be on the throne. I don't know. I, I yeah. think it's going to end like The Sopranos. Oh, don't just, do oh, that. Oh, God. If they do that again, where it just cuts off and you don't actually know what happens. For the longest no time, one will ever watch an HBO show again. <laughs> ever. For the longest time, I really thought that they were just trying to leave the door open for another, like, Sopranos. At least, like, a spinoff or something that included Tony. And then, you know, James Gandolfini died. And I'm like, yeah. well, what that? Um, but I was like, eh, like ending the show like that. I was like, is that, are you trying to like leave the door open then? But then they didn't do anything with it. And I'm like, right. don't do that again. But I also don't want a fairy tale ending either. Right. Well, to, to, right to quote, to quote the wise and great Ramsey Bolton. If you think this no. has a happy ending, you have not been paying attention. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I'll go with Nancy. She deserves it. Especially after bringing up Ramsey and all that stuff she's been through can we get ghost on the throne can, can everybody everything just be ruled by a direwolf <laughs> that'd be legit i'm still keeping my fingers crossed for Tyrion, but i don't think it's happening i don't know how that would happen i i i really i don't know either but hey you know it's it's been a predictably unpredictable series so why the hell not sure why the hell not <laughs> All right. Well, Carmen, what do we have on tap over at Buccaneers.com? Um, yeah, we're getting through OTAs, so I will have takeaways from all the days of OTAs uh, coming up. And then we've got some stuff we're going to do, you know, for 
mandatory mini camp. That'll be great. That's coming up June 4th through the 6th. Um, and then I think we've got some features rolling in after that. Um, hoping to, uh, talk to the strength staff because I think that that's something that's a little untapped that, um, what we're doing in the strength in strength and conditioning department is really cool. Um, and yeah, we'll be some more behind the bucks coming from me and there will be another component to the behind the bucks that's being added. And I will just tease it that way. And of course you can follow Carmen at Carmi V on Twitter. That's C A R M I E the letter V make sure you're checking out everything David and I are doing over at bucksnation.com. Make sure you follow along on Twitter <laughs> at Locked on Bucks, at Yarko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Send us your voicemails to 813-444-5841. We appreciate all of our Locked on Bucks listeners. And for the second day in a row now, the Buccaneers family has suffered a loss. Yesterday, we spoke about someone within the fandom. And today, the fandom has lost the voice of Tampa for over two decades. Big dog Steve Dumig uh, unfortunately passed away. Uh, so just like we did yesterday for our buddy Lou in Port Ritchie, we will not end on a song. We are going to end on a moment of silence, remembering Steve Dumig and thanking him for all he did for Tampa Bay sports. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.